Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, how to set annual goals, part three of three. This is Mike, and welcome back to Manager Tools. Today, Mark and I conclude our conversation on setting annual goals by Mark sharing a story that I think you'll find instructive. Now, it's just a story, but sometimes there's a lot to be learned by a story. Before we go on, I wanted to thank everyone who might have had some troubles on the website the last 24 hours. We just did a fairly major upgrade. We moved our, our servers over to our own purchase servers, you won't see much of a change initially, perhaps a a little bit uh, snappier and speedier response time. But other than that, this is just uh, one of those things that we're doing in preparation for great things to come. So it didn't quite go off without a hitch, but I I think we're through the, uh, the worst of it. So if you do run into any problems, be sure to send us a note and we'll get right on it. All right. With that, here we go with today's cast. Did we get through it? That was a pretty long cast. We're not done. <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah, we already we have the we have our epilogue, our first ever. That's right. We've never we've never done that. And you know, it is it is such a worthy story, and it's a tribute in part to the manager I was working with. We, we just didn't want to shoehorn it in between, you know, a minute or two in between two bullet points. Um, and I I, I think um, it would be easy for some folks to forget. And I know that our really loyal listeners will never forget it, um, uh, that this show is not about you and I. Um, we're thrilled that people think that we have a great relationship, and we do, and that it makes it fun to listen to. But this show is about managers. This show is about people who go to work every day and have people working for them and struggle with the day-to-day of how to be good, how to be effective, how to be professional, how to be ethical, not how to get ahead, although the really good managers know that if they're professional and ethical and effective, they'll get ahead far beyond their wildest dreams. Um, we're certainly motivated to help people who want to get ahead, but um, but not at the expense of professionalism and ethics. Um, but this is a show about managers, and this story just deserves to be told. Um, and we have a hundred, we have a thousand stories like this. And I know this is a long cast and probably there's some people who are thinking, I just don't want to hear John's story. Um, but it is so instructive about a person who has, if you met him in five minutes, you'd say, that's a guy I want to work for. And yet, much like many of you right now, if, if I met you, if Mike met you, we'd say, we'd want to work for you. And yet you still struggle day to day with some of the things that organizations or individuals or your job throws at you. And this is a story of John and his gate guards. John is a manager at a Fortune 200 company. Uh, this particular company is very well known in its niche, so much so that it has become a target and I say that in, in the worst possible way. It's, it's, a, it's a company that um, is uh, associated with a line of business that is, um, l- l- let's just say it makes them part of a list of targets in the United States for terrorists. And so consequently, 
uh, this company and its physical facilities, its presence on the ground has an, a, a special need for security. Uh, and as most of you know, particularly if you work in high tech, uh, security is one of those things that um, you can make things secure, much like uh, uh, U.S. And, and international airlines. But at some questions, sometimes the question is, OK, you can make it perfectly secure, but it'll cost you a billion dollars. And so there's a constant analysis of cost and benefit about, OK, we can make it secure. We can make it more secure and even more secure and more secure. But then we start questioning how much does it cost and what is the impact on people? And, and John was tasked with managing, I, I want to say the number is 50, but I could be wrong about that because it's been many years ago now that I was working with John. I was consulting to this firm and spent a couple of years there virtually every waking day of my life in this particular firm, a company that is well-regarded, well-respected. And John managed all of the gate guards. He was a security manager. And probably some of you are out there saying, oh boy, you know, he's not a line manager. But let me tell you, John was one of the best line managers I ever worked with. Um, he cared about his people, and his people were responsible for manning the gates that you drove through when you came to work in the morning and drove by on the way out at the end of the day. It's one of those hygiene jobs that everybody takes for granted until something goes wrong. And um, the company was in a big measurement push at the time. And John, who really cared about his people and really cared about the company and really bought into the culture and the mission and so on in all the best possible ways, ethical, professional, caring, great guy, um, John came to me one day in a total panic. And he said to me something I'll never forget. He said, you got to go talk to your consultant friends and find out who's got the book. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, oh. My friends are actually guys who live near me. I don't have, it's not like I only have consultant friends. And what is this book he's talking about? And knowing John, I'm like, wow, if John thinks a book is that valuable, I want to know what it is. And I said, hey, buddy, what do you mean? He said, yeah, look, he says, dude, you just, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I need some help. The company has decided that metrics are everything. We got to start measuring everything. He says, I don't know. He says, my guys, I got great guys. I got the greatest team. Everybody says I'm a great manager. I'm not a great manager. I just got great guys, which of course is the true sign of a great manager. They're always deferential toward their people about why they're great. And, and John said, I, I, I got great guys and, and that, that's why I'm a great manager, but I've got to come up with some way to measure what it is my gate guards do. And I know you, Mark. I know you've got somebody out there in some consulting firm somewhere. They've got a book. And the book says for any given job, for any managerial job, for any technical job, for any operations or logistics or marketing or sales job, there is a list of measures that good companies use. Now, look, folks, if you're thinking that some other company out there knows how to do their job so much better than you and you're being kept in the dark just because you don't know somebody or know something or haven't read the right book, you're mistaken. Every company, every organization that Mike and I work with have their strengths and their weaknesses. And there is not some magic book somewhere of every possible measure. The closest thing to it in management would be something probably like competencies, which we just want to get sick about every time we talk about. But interestingly enough, competencies don't really apply to gate guards. 
It's a terribly prosaic thing to be the person at six o'clock in the morning, standing in front of the gate, opening the gate and letting cars come through and checking badges to make sure that everybody who comes in is supposed to be in. Uh, it's, it is actually a very impressive thing to be responsible for security at an organization with thousands, actually tens of thousands of employees in this one location, the corporate headquarters, and for security to be, to make people feel absolutely secure while not being obtrusive. In other words, security happens, but it doesn't take so much. It's not so painful that people feel like I want it to be less secure. I'd rather it be less secure because it's just so hard to deal with the security measures. It's not the case. At this company, John and his gate guards were responsible for part of the security that made people feel secure, but didn't make them feel like they had to go um, uh, do nut rolls every time they needed to get something done. So John was responsible for the gate guards and John cares about his folks. And he comes to me and he says, you got to give me the book, right? You got to talk to your buddies, your consultant buddies. Cause of course, who would want to be friends with a consultant, but other consultants, right? Right. Um, we're <laughs> the unwashed. And, uh, and I said, dude, there's no book. We just, let's talk about what it is you want to measure. He, I said, uh, he says, well, I don't know what to measure. He says, look, I'm just, I haven't even graduated from college. I, I just, they told me I had to measure my guys. I said, well, okay. Let's talk about that for a minute. What makes you good? He says, well, everybody loves my guys. I said, yeah, that's right. I know that. I drive by them every morning and I love them. They're great guys. They all say, I mean, I don't, yeah, I happen to go there every day, but I'm not an employee. And they all say, hi, Mr. Orsman. How are you? Hey, Mark, how's it going? Good to see you again. What's going on? You guys, you kicking butt up there in the executive suite? No, I'm really not. Okay, thanks. Good luck. Uh, just great guys. And, and um, I said, so look, when you think about your job, what's important to you? He says, oh, that's easy. And I kind of was surprised that he, I mean, he was very quick. He's been tasked with the responsibility of coming up with goals and objective goals, essentially, for his organization. And he here he is. Everybody loves what his guys do. And suddenly he's panicking. And then when I say, well, what do you think is important? He says, oh, that's easy. He says, there are two things that people comment on, one positive, one negative. People like the fact that we're friendly. Really? I said, he says, yeah. They like that. He says, it's something I screen for when I hire. I said, oh, I love this guy. He screens his own guys. He doesn't let HR do it, right? He's good. And I said, oh, okay, what's the other thing? He says, well, they don't like it when the gates aren't open on time. I said, really? He says, oh, yeah, man, if we're late, if one of my guys is late, we get hammered. You know, it's 6.01 in the morning and the gate's supposed to be open at 6. <laughs> that gate guard is in a lot of trouble because somebody knows who that gate guard is and they know he's responsible for opening the gate. And man, they come in early and they want to be, if they left their family at five in the morning to drive in, they want that gate open when it's supposed to be open. And there's usually a line of cars at the gate to get in. He said, so man, what kind, I mean, you can't measure gate guards, right? I can measure marketing. I can measure sales. I can measure productivity or efficiency or IT or teraflops or anything else. He says, I know all that stuff. How do you measure gate guards, man? There's got to be a book. Said, no, there's not a book. He said, you need to measure the two things that are most important, which are in, the, in your business, timeliness and courtesy. And he looked at me and says, yeah, that's it. Find the book with the timeliness and the courtesy thing. And I said, no, John, it's not a book. He says, well, I'm in trouble because my guys have to be measured. He says, I know they're good, but I need something to defend them. I said, okay, well, let's come up with a something, a proxy for measuring timeliness and courtesy. He says, well, how can you measure that? I said, well, you say people complain when people come in late, right? When the, when the gates are open late. Yep. I said, okay, let's measure the number of complaints 
that come in because the gate isn't open on time. And he said, well, gosh, wouldn't that then imply that we were wrong? I said, well, yeah, yeah, sure. Every time your gate is not open on time, that's going to be a complaint and you're going to find out about it. But don't you find out about it already? He says, oh, sure, I do. I get I get creamed for it every time. I mean, I get an email from somebody very senior in the organization saying, how come the gate wasn't open at six? They said it opened at 602. And I, you know, I wanted to tell him, John, you understand that that guy's not a nice guy, right? Um, but, but anyway, um, I said, so you're already hearing about negatives. So why not track it and measure it? He says, you think I can do that? I said, well, sure. Do you think you can figure out a way to increase the chances that it won't be open late? He says, I bet if we start measuring it, it won't be. I said, yeah, I think you're probably right. He says, yeah, but okay, that's an easy one. It's kind of timeliness thing. But what about courtesy? What, what you know, how do you measure courtesy? Well, let me ask you the question I always ask managers whenever I'm working with them. How would you measure courtesy? And then he said the same thing again. This is a great manager. He says, oh, that's easy. It's whether or not they smile at you. I said, what do you mean? He says, look, if the gate guard smiles at you, people, I, I can tell. I did the job. When you smile at people, they have a better experience. If you don't smile and there's even the chance of something not going wrong, like they have to look twice at your badge or whatever else, boy, it can go south really fast. I said, John, you don't need me, and you sure don't need a book. You just need to measure the number of complaints that you get for gates being open late. I said, you could also measure gates being open late, but I would argue that's harder because you actually have to be at the gate or rely on somebody else to measure whether or not the gate was open on time. Let's just measure complaints. And quite frankly, if you opened every gate late, John, who cares if nobody complains, right? I said, and the second thing is, we need to measure whether or not your gate guards smile at people. And he said, <laughs> this is the funny part. He says, is that what we pay you for? <laughs> I said, no, really not. But I'm glad I could help you. He said, but wait, wait, wait. How do you measure smiling? Well, that's easy. You go out there and you check. Oh, but I can't be in every place at every time. I said, you don't have to be. Just do a sample. He says, what do you mean sample? I said, well, the population is ever one of your gate guards from the time the gate opens until the guy in the, the gate closes. And they have that population is that individual guard times the number of cars or actually individuals in the car that he or she has a chance to smile at and whether or not they do. He says, yeah, that's a lot. I can't be everywhere. I said, no, but you need a sample of that. Well, how do I sample? I said, well, this is just statistics. You just go to a random gate every given morning. I said, are you here first thing in the morning? He says, what are you, crazy? I'm here an hour before the gates open just to make sure. I said, great. So it won't be anything out of the ordinary for you. You go, you pick a different gate each day. Establish a pattern, don't establish a pattern. I don't care. And on, the, uh, on a given day, go down and watch your gate guard. He said, what do you mean watch them? I said, stand there as they do their job and observe them doing their job and see whether or not they smile at people. Well, you think that'll work? Well, I'll tell you what, you'll be able to measure whether or not they smile. Oh, but I think they'll cheat. I think they'll actually smile at people just because I'm there. And I said, and how is that bad? <laughs> right. Right. I mean, why is that a bad thing? But even so, John, in my experience, it doesn't matter whether you're there or not. Within five minutes, they will forget you're there and they'll go right back to their habitual standard. They'll forget. I work with executives all the time. It happens all the time. And he said, so, okay. So what you're telling me is this. I need to measure the number of complaints. Said, yeah, it'd be good to put it on a little graph or something. He said, oh, yeah, I got that. I can put a graph. I can. In fact, I got two years worth of history data. I'm like, oh my God. 
this is great. He's going to have a graph of how many complaints each month. I said, what's your goal going to be? He said, well, that's easy, zero. I said, okay, when you've been doing it for six months, what's your goal going to be? He says, oh, that's different. Then I'm not looking for complaints anymore. Now I'm looking for positive comments about timeliness and courtesy. I said, okay, now you're thinking, buddy. Now we're on track. He said, but I can change my my metric. I said, sure, if the metric's not serving your purpose, the only reason we have metrics and goals, the only reason we have goals at all is to improve our performance so we can be better at doing what we do. We don't tie ourselves slavishly to an old goal if it doesn't serve our purposes anymore. He says, oh, I'm beginning to, I'm beginning to get this. So we're going to measure whether or not the, how many complaints we get, believing that complaints are a good proxy for whether or not the gate was open on time. Because right now, if gates aren't open on time, we get complaints, rest assured. Um, and then the other thing is, I'm going to actually check whether or not they smile at people. I said, yeah, that's one way. John, I'm not saying that's the only way, but it is as simple as that if you want it to be. And the look on his face of, oh, you mean there's not some priesthood of consultants that have a book that, that decide what the goals are? No, there's really not. And John, you're probably smart enough. You probably could have figured this out on your own. You don't need me, really. And we happened to be having lunch while we were doing this, while we were having this conversation. And um, and he went out and started measuring things. And his guys all said the same thing. They said, what, are you going to measure whether or not we smile? Yep, that's the criteria. I've decided that... You guys are all pretty good, and if you smile at people, it makes a difference. And John told me some amazing things. He said, you know what? I could have told you which ones smiled and which ones didn't because it's the, one, the ones that didn't are the ones I got complaints against, whether the gate was open or not on time. And he said, I can tell you when the good ones started having problems at home or, or at work or related to something else because they stopped smiling. He said, separate from the fact that this gave me numbers that I could talk to my bosses about how good my people were, it also gave me insights into how well my people were doing. Um, he's been promoted three or four times since then. I think he run, he's near to running all of security for this Fortune 200 company. And I would argue that that, in a nutshell, is what goal setting is all about, which is understanding what it is your team does and coming up with either proxies or something that you can measure that you can track over time that you believe is a reasonable approximation. In this case, proxies really play a big role in this story. And you don't have to make it rocket science in order to get a good start on how well your team does what it does. And if a guy like John, who's as good as it comes, really, when it comes to managing, who cares about his folks, who knows his folks, who wants them to do better, who sees gate guards not as a job that nobody wants, but as a place where somebody who is really good could start at the company and spend 30 years there. Um, when a guy like John says it's as simple as having a check mark next to whether or not they smiled at two or three people inside the car, and then he started adding eye contact and saying people's names and all those kind of things as well. You ratcheted it up over time. If a guy like that can make it as simple as how many complaints and did you or did you not smile based on the samples that I'm there and they all know I'm there and they still forget to smile on given days. Um, I believe that goals, good, effective, measurable and time based goals um, are in reach for anybody. Wow, and that's the story for the epilogue for today. Wow, and and, and that I hope race. it was. I I hope I was excited talking about it. I hope it was instructive and exciting and and energizing for people because seeing John do that was just. 
it was the old saying of a thing of joy, a thing of beauty is a joy forever to watch John accept, adopt, do, and then get all kinds of benefits from something as simple as complaints and smiles. You don't have to impress people. You just have to figure out something that you believe will work and then measure it, have a number associated with it. And in his case, stay narrow um, and deliver big results. Yeah. And if, if somebody can create a, a, a great, exciting story about gate guard, just imagine what most of our listeners yeah. can do with, with their organizations. Cause they're doing things that are probably, probably more complex. Um, man, it's just, uh, that's why we love this business. Yeah. Right. And I admit two years ago when we started, I knew I was going to figure out a way to tell this story. Because ultimately, management is about people and the challenges they face. This story alone is not a manager tool. It's not actionable. It's not deliverable. But it is uplifting and inspiring. And we've got to figure out ways to share more of these kind of stories. But it instructs and informs this particular process of setting annual goals. And this is the kind of story that makes it more likely, I think, that our listeners will go out and actually do and act use, utilize, whatever word you want to use, the tools that we share with them. Um, because for no other reason than your people deserve it, period. Good. Well, that great story is how we end, other than our wrap-up. So, What do we do today? We talked about bottom line up front. We recommend empty goals, which are, n- no pun intended, measurable and time-based. We definitely talked about smart goals and how we didn't think that they were that smart, but we didn't go so far as saying they were stupid. Um, Not exactly, anyway. Um, We talked about how to create effective annual goals by using MT goals. We talked about staying narrow, planning for Q4 completion, which means finishing in nine months rather than 12, backwards planning, and front-loading tasks. And we ended with the story of John and the gate guards. Pretty simple. Long, but simple. Cool. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, partner. We'll see you. Well, there you go, everyone. Finally, the end of the the series of goal setting. Or so you may think. Uh, Stay tuned. You never know. There might be more coming down the road. But for today, that's it. We'll see you next time. So long, everyone.